Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Nothing for days, then a message. I want to see a fight, an old one. So, I bring a fight to you. You know nothing of these men. Even the most famous get to slink in their youth again. For you, foreman is Leviathan, unstoppable. Ali, just past his prime, flown home to muscle back his title. Not sure how you'll react to violence. We lie down together again. Your feet in woolen stockings, kneadable across my thighs. Your mouth close to my ribs and their inmate. A pouting lifer. I fidget and you scold. As Ali opens up with right hand leads, you flinch, but soon you're lost to the screen where he waits it out along the ropes, takes everything Foreman throws. You don't believe he can soak up all this pain and go on standing. We cheer him on, winter softened in the tropic of his strength. When Ali comes alive to put Foreman on the ground, I see a hallelujah look as you turn to face me. He won, you say, into my cheek. He did, I say. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, you featherlight cheese souffle. My name's Owen. You have just heard the excellent poem Rope a Dope by the marvellous Declan Ryan, and I'm delighted to bring you this episode, another double-bumper blockbuster, thriller in Manila, a rumble in the jungle special. First up, I preview Chelsea versus Liverpool with the marvellous Alex and Rebecca, a husband and wife, who prove that love does indeed exist in the most unlikely of places, including amongst fans of either team. After that, you will hear a very excited chat between me and Doug from the fabulous Dugout YouTube channel about the fact that an agreement has been reached for Liverpool to sign the marvel that is Tiago Alcantara. Happy days, my beauties. Happy days. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm absolutely thrilled, uh, joyed. Um, I've got the uh, the shivers of 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 excitement and wonder. As um, I was trying to think of a way to introduce you, actually, uh, I've got Alex and Rebecca from the excellent Did It Cross the Line podcast, which all of our listeners should should listen to. And um, um, uh, they're you know famously amongst. Um, the podcasting circles. So I've got no idea what the podcasting circles are. I just listen to tons of podcasts. So you're famous in my head, both of you, and I hope around the world, as a husband and wife team. And I was thinking, what husbands and wives are there? Um, and of course, the you know the first one, unfortunately, that popped into mind was to say, you know, you're the posh and becks of the podcasting world. But that's disgusting. That makes me feel a bit sick. <laughs> Because they're both very vapid people. And then I was thinking, what, what famous couples are there? There's Sharon and Ozzy. But I don't want to ask you, Alex, about your consumption of various 
things, <laughs> but but they're a pretty cool couple. Um, and then uh, I couldn't think of any others. I could only think of Nelson and Winnie Mandela, but again, not quite appropriate. So I mean, if welcome. We're getting compared to them, that's quite a it's quite a big deal. I was thinking John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. I often think of myself as a poor woman's Chrissy Teigen. So well, that's, that's what I Excellent stuff. I shall pretend to know who they are. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I don't know many famous people. I think that's the problem. Yeah, Nelson and Winnie Mandela. Winnie Mandela was um, was uh, accused, accused of embezzling, so that's not really appropriate. And of course, you've got the whole uh, emancipation uh, of a country. Uh, anyway, so football. Welcome, Alex and Rebecca. Tell the listeners about your podcast. Um, did it cross the line? How's it all going there, please? I mean, first of all, that's probably the best intro we've ever had on a podcast. We haven't appeared... Including our own, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we, we haven't appeared on a, a podcast as a duo before, apart from our own, have we? So this, no. is, this is a cool experience. Sometimes Noah comes on with one or the other of us, um, our cat, who famously supports Spurs. But yes, this is the first time we've done it together. Um, <laughs> did it cross the line is just a basic, um, I guess, football podcast. We talk about the Premier League, talk about European football, always have a bit of a laugh with each other as well. I, I get a little bit of therapy by being able to shade Alex for various tasks around the house that don't get yeah, done. Yeah, usually, yeah, <laughs> me not do, doing the laundry and stuff it's like that. It's always the laundry, <laughs> isn't it? Every God, week. What might that say? <laughs> every week that gets mentioned. But yeah, obviously, like, um, as you can probably guess from the name, one of us supports Chelsea, one of us supports Liverpool, um, and his name, the podcast was named after the goal that definitely happened from Luis Garcia. Yeah, I used, to, I used to look back at that goal and get really upset and absolutely hate it. And, you know, I used to have tears in my eyes when I watch it on, you know, repeats or Sky or whatever. And now I've got a really almost like sweet feeling about it because it's what brought us together because we, we originally met at work and... So we bonded over it, and now we've got a podcast. Well, that, it was a great name. Yeah, that's true. We, <laughs> yeah, that's basically how we like bonded and got together in the first well, place. It's like alcohol. a love, of, yeah, a love of alcohol and a love of football, basically. <laughs> so, which is kind of what our podcast is <laughs> summed up. So. No, it's absolutely superb. I, I really enjoy. It. I rec- recommend it to all of our listeners because um, it's just very nice. It's very nice to have a have two opposing opinions, and of course, it's Liverpool versus Chelsea uh, on Sunday, the next match. Um, I, it's so exciting. I mean, for for Liverpool fans. Um, so I'll start with you, Alex. I mean, uh, Liverpool against Leeds uh, is is a great start, and then and then uh, Liverpool Chelsea and Liverpool Arsenal. Wow. I mean, you could say it's a tough start, but it's also um, a beautiful start, isn't it? Leeds, Chelsea, Arsenal. How are you feeling about it? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously looking forward. We always look forward to the Chelsea game. Obviously, we're excited to see the touchline rematch between Klopp and Lampard (laughs) and what element of the code uh, (laughs) Klopp and his team are judged to have broken this time. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, it is like when we were looking at the fixtures, it's a pretty... It's a pretty wild start. I think, you know, we spoke about it, I think you spoke about it on on here last week about how Leeds is potentially quite a tricky first fixture. And yeah, it, it definitely proved to be that. I you know, it was a bit of a banana skin. At least we got through it, but I don't think my heart can take it if we're gonna have another thirty seven games that go like that. You know, we got <laughs> so used to like Liverpool being 
great at defending and <laughs> that was um, not so much the case against Leeds to be but honest. You say that though but I remember how, how quickly Doth forget because <laughs> I remember last season when you were playing Aston Villa and you couldn't even look at the telly. <laughs> you were stood in the kitchen having a heart attack. I had to <laughs> let you know what was happening because you were so so stressed. That wasn't even a year ago even though it feels like nine years ago. Yeah yeah so it's the longest season ever. But you yeah. forget and I'll tell you when you defend a title everything you did last season just goes out the window completely goes out the window and it's a different level of pressure it's pressure you've never experienced before well I mean you literally haven't experienced it before <laughs> but it, it's pressure that you don't know um because also when teams go to play you you are the champions now yeah. although I would argue that teams never really try against Man City um on a certain level compared to what they do against for example Liverpool anyway but it's, it's a whole different mentality in terms of the press as well it's crazy yeah definitely like you know, in terms of how Leeds came at Liverpool, yeah. like it was, you know, the way Bielsa set them up, he really set them up to attack um, in a way that, yeah, was really bold and brave, to be fair, and it, it paid dividends. So in this game, I'm not sure, like, if we'll see those same defensive errors. I'm really hoping we don't, because I don't anticipate that Lampard will set up the team to be quite as bold as Bielsa did with Leeds. Yeah, and yeah, and also perhaps uh, um, you know other teams, um, maybe Chelsea won't be quite as clinical uh, because uh, Leeds had three shots and they absolutely blammed all three of them into the goal. <laughs> um, Ch- Chelsea um, started against Brighton. I watched uh, part of the game. I didn't have time to watch it all, although it was. Uh, it seemed intriguing because I, I, when I looked at the fixture, I was like, oh yeah, Brighton, easy win for Chelsea. But I forgot the whole Graham Potter effect and the <laughs> fact that they're actually pretty good and they've, you know, they've got Duncan White, you know, potentially, um, you know, one of the best defensive partnerships in in the league. I mean, they're, I think they're absolutely superb players. Um, what did you make of, of Brighton against Chelsea, Rebecca? I mean, I was I was actually a little bit surprised in that when we watched Chelsea last season, one thing I would never have called us was a bit boring, to be quite honest. We were always exciting, whether it was because we were getting battered or whether it was because we had a three-goal lead and then ended up winning 3-2. Chelsea were always exciting, and I thought that Brighton game, you could visibly see see Lampard was trying to inject a little bit of solidity and that came out a little bit of a cost which I guess we wouldn't have expected with you know the influx of attacking players who came in this summer um but I still think the same problems Chelsea had last season are going to be the same problems they're gonna have again this season with the exception of having a striker who last season when Tammy Abraham was playing you know you could never bet your house on him to score um with Timo Werner I I would bet if we could afford a house I would absolutely bet it but all I have is Noah (laughs) I'll bet my cat on Timo Werner to score um you know so it, it was an interesting one and I think Brighton Brighton are an interesting side I can never make my mind what I think about them but Mm. I do agree with you on that defensive partnership and you know that's still something that I don't actually think Chelsea have I would say that yeah, Duncan White is uh, perhaps better than than uh, you know Zuma and and Christensen, wasn't it uh, the other day? Yeah. Um, but um, 
Yes, okay. But if we're taking an overview, staying with you, Rebecca, on, on Chelsea, um, you know, I looked it up. Uh, Transfer Market's a marvellous website. It gives you all the all the, the titles or trophies that, that teams have won. So for Chelsea, for the Liverpool fans who are listening, um, in case you weren't quite sure, uh, Chelsea have won in total six league titles, one European Cup, eight FA Cups, five League Cups, and two UEFA Cups, or UEFA Leagues. Um, so, Rebecca, that's a very decent uh, list of honours. How confident are you out of 10 that this Chelsea team this season will be able to add to that list? Can we go below zero? (laughs) (laughs) You you can, yeah, yeah. You can break any mathematical rules. In terms of the league, I, I just don't think that's a possibility. I don't think it's realistic. And in my wildest dreams, I wouldn't even consider it when Liverpool and Manchester City are what they are. If we would have signed Jan Allblack and you know, maybe even uh, Rafa Varane, despite what the English press will tell you now after one bad performance, um, you know, I maybe would have gone with we can genuinely challenge the situation we're in with our goalkeepers and still, in my opinion, with the defence and with Frank Lampard. No, we can't win the league. So that's one trophy gone. It's probably best if we don't talk about the Champions League after what Bayern Munich did to us. Oh, I was I was going to ask, like, because I don't think we've spoken about the Champions League and whether you think Chelsea can actually, like... At what point go. did you think <laughs> that was a good idea to bring it up when the night you got knocked out of Europe, I was downing tequila from the bottle and I made you stay up oh, for no. hours doing karaoke of sad songs? Oh, yeah. That- <laughs> Do you believe... Beaches theme tune came out with beneath my wings. Yeah, and that wow. is a sad, sad song. I, I don't oh, like no. my memory slightly, I think. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, realistically, in terms of the Champions League, what do I want and what do I expect? It's to get through the group stages. It is to hopefully get through the first knockout round. And then in a knockout competition, you never know. But I just don't think we are anywhere near, again, because of the goalkeeping situation, what your top, top sides are. Mm. Um, If we drop down to the Europa League, I would say we'd have a good chance of winning that. Yes, that's a different conversation. And also we'd then have to converse about why, in fact, we are in the Europa League, which is a whole other problem. Carabao Cup. Does anybody really want the Carabao Cup this season? No, absolutely not. It's it's just not something that is appropriate. It's basically like when you're in Aldi and people pack their bags at the end of the till. That is not Aldi etiquette. It's not a good idea. Move your trolley. And this is just not a good idea. There is no point in the Carabao Cup this season. I don't think we will play our strongest side in it. I don't think we will you know, want to be going for that mm. when the Premier League fixtures are piling up. The yeah. FA Cup is the one I'd say we have the best chance at, but I think, as you told me on our podcast, teams like Wolves and stuff are really going to look at that this season because they'll think that Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, you know, they'll have to write it off, mm. basically. And I think that teams like that are going to play best teams all the way through it and really make a go of it. Realistically, if we're going to win one, it would be the FA Cup for me. But again, you know, what if the Arsenal come along and there's a sentence I never thought I'd have to say. (laughs) Yes, who knows? Uh, um, Yes, devastating FA Cup form from the Gunners. Um, uh, Yes, okay. Uh, From an outsider's point of view, yes. I mean, the obvious thing you mentioned, um, uh, Kepa, I was going to talk about him later, but... um, 
But uh, Alex, I'm going to ask you about Chelsea and Kepa because from the outside, it's patently obvious. Um, you know, uh, Mazd, who's uh, part of the, the Copon uh, families on our WhatsApp group, he said it's like having Casper the ghost in goal. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I think it was Richard Jolly who said he's conceded nine goals from the last 13 shots on target. And one more stat for you um, that was mentioned in, 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 in the last Copon is that um, there's no keeper in Europe's top five leagues with a worse save percentage than Kepa. Wow. What do you make of it, Alex? Well, it's, he's obviously not the guy Frank Lampard wants, d- despite what he might say in post-match interviews and say that Kepa's his guy. And, you know, I, I am still slightly surprised that all the transfer talk on goalkeepers seem to go quite quiet. Like, we spoke about this on our podcast, like, oh, after the All Black thing, when that just didn't happen, it seemed like... It, it just went completely quiet. Like, why didn't why didn't they bring in someone like Nick Pope, for instance, who's obviously tried and tested in the Premier League, he was great last season as well, one of the best keepers in the league, I think would have been a really good fit. And it is something when we've spoken about Chelsea this season and there's been all this excitement around all these new signings, this exciting um, attacking talent, which is understandable because they have signed some cracking players, but... In terms of in the goal and in the defence, there's still a lot of issues there which haven't necessarily been addressed. And I'm also, like, on a wider point, not convinced that Lampard tactically is is the right guy for the job. Like, looking at that Brighton game, they were just quite dull, to be honest. And he set them up in a way that didn't necessarily seem to, like, play to the new player's strengths. So... Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting all round. I mean, Thiago Silva's obviously a good signing at the back, but... Not if it's four at the back, he's not. Yeah, which I, I guess is something we'll, we'll come on to of what we expect to see in the Chelsea-Liverpool game formation-wise, because I think that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. But <laughs> certainly, like, it's such an obvious thing to say, but, like, you don't you don't win titles, you don't challenge for titles if you concede goals. And the the fact is, Chelsea at the back, like in goal and in the in their defense just he just hasn't really addressed any of the issues properly from last season it's a strange situation as well actually as a Chelsea fan because we've obviously well in in my lifetime at least which now is is far too long (laughs) 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 Um, you know in my lifetime at least I've seen quality quality goalkeepers and you know I was I was devastated when Czech replaced Kudacini not because I didn't like or rate Czech but because Kudacini was so solid for us you know he was absolutely brilliant and then we had Czech who was a different level entirely and arguably the greatest if not one of the greatest the Premier League have seen then we replaced Czech with the rat who may have gone to pot for one season at Madrid but if we're being honest he was very decent for Chelsea on the field his conduct in the dressing room is deplorable clearly not a you know moralistic man just ask Kevin De Bruyne hang on hang on hang on hang on whoa 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 because I I I know that you're you're referring to Thibaut Courtois um because I've worked it up from the context but I don't follow what went I didn't follow what went on because I've heard some he's got a bad reputation in France I will tell you that uh, amongst people that I speak to here um yes uh, sort of personality wise as someone who's a bit of a sociopath can't can't um, wow. admit that he's 
can't admit that he's wrong, that kind of thing. But, um, but what, what, is this, what, what are these scandals to which you refer? So let's begin with Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> now, uh, Courtois may or may not have uh, gone where he shouldn't have with Kevin De Bruyne's misses. Let's put it that way. Oh um, and there was a big falling out there, and it, you can you can find that quite easily on Google. Um, and then in terms of when he was at Chelsea, which is something I have a much much bigger issue with, he spent so much of his time at Chelsea basically saying that he should be at Real Madrid, basically playing for the exit. And now, you know, when we were trying to keep heading Hazard and when Hazard was in his last season, Courtois was saying to the Spanish press, oh, myself and Hazard used to sit in the Chelsea dressing room and talk about a move to Real Madrid. And, you know, what kind of character is that, honestly? I just find that absolutely ridiculous. But when he was at the club and when he was playing on the field, he was a very good goalkeeper. Mm. And then we've ended up, you know, going from him to Kappa. And the, the money aside, which, by the way, Frank Lampard, again, doesn't seem to understand figures or indeed anything <laughs> to do with monetary value. He's going on about how much Alisson costs. But I do believe we then went and bought Kappa and smashed that monetary record. Yeah. So again, Frank, sorry to tell you, yeah, wrong. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Kappa, I felt sorry for. We obviously had the sorry issue. It certainly wasn't something that I felt Kappa was completely to blame for because Chelsea have set a precedent of that's the way their players can behave. And it was only a matter of time before somebody did that, in my opinion. Um, but now you look under Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard clearly didn't fancy Kepper, dropped him, I think shredded his confidence. Um, and that's saying a lot because I think Kappa is a very self-confident, if, if not arrogant, for small for reasons guy you know and then caballero comes in neither of them are anywhere near what we need at this point and i would be more confident with an adrian and goal and it winds mm. me up so much when i see fans have a pop at players like adrian and i think my god I, I i'd rather have you than what we've got people forget how good first choice keepers need to be let alone second choice yeah i was just gonna say like that's the big thing is that chelsea like They've got the issues of Kepper and then their backups Caballero. So both, there's issues basically with with both goalkeepers. It, it's it's ridiculous, and also it's not even the situation where we have to worry about what if Kepper gets injured. Oh God, we've got Caballero. Mm. It's even coming down to what pressure is our number two putting on our number one keeper because he's just not very good. It, it, it's a it's a very big big problem in mm. my opinion, and we've not solved it. And something you said in your podcast that I, I listened to was very interesting, your latest one. Um, you said, though, that um, you thought uh, it's better to, to fix your defence before you fix your attack, um, which I could totally understand. I mean, Liverpool had, a, had the old adage uh, from uh, Bill Shankly, who said that you should do exactly that, always build your team from the back. But Klopp did the, re- did the reverse by uh, not fixing... Uh, uh, our goalkeeping position um, until buying Allison, his what third year, fourth year, something like that, at the club. So, you know, when you say you have zero out of ten chance um, of of or oh, less than zero, excuse less me, less than zero, yeah, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a marvelous concept, sort of minus into the minus numbers of 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 adding to your trophies. Maybe you have to give a trophy back, basically. <laughs> 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 Excellent, excellent. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, is it, is it not possible to start with the attack, which looks frightening, 
uh, and then work on the defense after? So I'll put it this way. If, if you're Liverpool side from the Rodgers year when you just missed out on the title because, of course, Victor Moses messed it up, as we all know. Yeah, um, don't, don't steal my point. <laughs> I want to make people like me. I'm a Chelsea fan. I'm already one down. Um, you know, from that season, if Klopp was your manager and you had that team, do you think you would have won a trophy? Because I do. I don't necessarily think you would have won the league, but I think you would have won a proper, proper trophy. Mm. Now, I look at this team and I think if Jurgen Klopp managed us, if Pep Guardiola, pre his obsession with twice, and <laughs> Liverpool had managed us, if Prime Mourinho, if Enrique were managing us, I would absolutely say we should be looking at doing a pretty decent haul this season. Mm. My problem is, it's not just the fact that I'm worried about our defence and I'm worried about our goalkeeper. And I still mm. think that the midfield needs a hell of a lot of tweaking and the attack still isn't... I mean, the, the names are there for sure, but we all know what's on paper doesn't necessarily translate into reality. Yeah. I'm deeply, deeply worried about the manager we've got and his in-game changes and his man management. I tell you, if Arteta was our manager, I'd say we'll win our trophy this season. You're so on the Arteta hype train now. It's I am. I'm furious. <laughs> I'm, I've, I've Amazoned if you can get a cardboard cutout. You know, you can't yet, but give it a proper trophy and we'll be there. <laughs> but I was, <laughs> I was just going to chip in on that because actually something we've spoken about is actually... Lampard at his disposal does have good defenders. You know, mm-hmm. we, we you look at Rudiger, they've brought in Thiago Silva now. I think Tamori is a really exciting centre-back. The problem is he doesn't necessarily pick the right players to play. He doesn't necessarily play the right system to where those defenders can thrive as well. And then they make one mistake and they're not seen of for like six yeah. weeks. It, that's my problem and that the defence chopping and changing last season was for me a huge issue you can't have a, a kid like Tamori who you've winched out from Derby who by the way was excellent at Derby one player of the season with Frank Lampard there you can't have a kid who then you stick in the Premier League with an inconsistent defence around him and a keeper who was basically rubbish behind him and then expect him to not make a mistake or not learn Trent still makes the odd mistake Reese James will make mistakes this season, which is absolutely fine. When you're young, you've got to learn. And as a centre-back, you've got to do that as well. You know, you do it in a different way to full-backs, but you do have to learn. And you can't just then winch them off and basically not play them for six weeks. But he did that with Rudiger as well. Yeah. He did that with Zuma. It, you can't do that to these young players and then expect them to be fine. And my, my questions around Lampard and the way he does that and the fact that he seems... It really disappoints me because I didn't think it at all from, you know, how he came across as a player. He seems a petty, petty man. <laughs> and I, I sometimes think he isn't one of those people who sits down and thinks, OK, so X player made a mistake. X player did this. The referee did this. But what did I do wrong? I'm not sure he sits there and goes, what did I do wrong? And until you can do that, I think you're always going to come a cropper. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, Frank Lampard. Um, yeah, he was my pick last season for the first manager to be sacked, actually. But uh, you started the season really well. Um, uh, but uh, so, yeah, I think he's, I don't know, he's riding some kind of wave of nostalgia. I'm not still not quite sure why he's in the job. He's, he's got just enough level of success in terms of win percentage, I suppose. But let's move, let's move uh, to Liverpool. 
Um, most of our listeners will know this, although it's good to to remind ourselves sometimes. 19 league titles, six <laughs> European Cups, seven FA Cups, one less than Chelsea, eight <laughs> League Cups. Um, and how confident are you, Alex, out of 10, that this season we can uh, do even more, we can change the wall even more? I mean, it's a, it's a few more than less than zero, that's for sure. Probably like... <laughs> Give me Alison and I'll change my mind. Probably like a seven or an eight, but only because I'm like a little bit of a pessimist sometimes. But then I've, you know, saying that I've, you know, picked Liverpool to win the league again. So I suppose I should say 10 out of 10, really. Um, you should say 11 out of 10. <laughs> but yeah, I, I ha- yeah, I do think, yeah, I will back Liverpool to, to win the Premier League again because as we spoke about when we previewed the season on Did It Cross the Line, like I wonder if, um, the signings City have made are going to be enough to overhaul that points gap. I, I know there are concerns over Liverpool's lack of signings, which we'll probably chat about in a bit, but we've kept all the big players. It's still the team that won the title. You know, the other teams are trying to, you know, overhaul the gap to Liverpool. That is how I would look at it. So we've kind of got to have faith and assume that they will push on this season. I think the other big one is is the Champions League. That was the big disappointment last season. Um, Whether the game should have even gone ahead is obviously (laughs) something we can discuss in hindsight. But obviously to go out at that stage after back-to-back finals and winning one of them was was a a bit of a sickener, really. So you would still back Liverpool, I think, against the majority of teams in Europe. Do you know so, with your Champions League thing there, you sound like a child who has a pound in the, the sweetie shop and you want one pound ten p's worth of stuff, you've just won the league. <laughs> you are absolutely fine. And two Champions League finals, this is, I think as well... I, with, we have got greedy already. Oh, like, we definitely know, have. When I look at Liverpool this season, I look at the pre-season, I look at Liverpool, you know, fans, Twitter, everything. I think, oh my goodness gracious, you are such a good team, you are in such a good place, your manager is perfect, not just in terms of, you know, what he's done, how he plays, it's him, he understands the city, mm-hmm. he wants to be there, the the board, for what anybody wants to say, when you, when you actually read the threads, which are some great ones on Twitter, of why the spending is, how it is, yeah. etc., in, and then you realise, you know, you're you're an extremely well-run club. And, you know, today we've seen, like, Macclesfield Town have gone out of business because of £500,000. And we've seen before clubs like Bolton, Blackburn, etc. They're these established Premier League sides. Bad owners, you're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, West Ham right now probably going to go down because of their board. So many teams. Newcastle could be winning a Premier League but they're bored. Mm -hmm. And I think that the way you've actually been set up over the last four years hasn't just done a, we'll win the league one time, we'll win a championship. It's set you up for years and years and years to come. Yeah, they're definitely trying to build a dynasty. And I think like, I think it's younger Liverpool fans who kind of get... What's younger now at our age? (laughs) But obviously like I'm, well, I'll say it, I'm 31. (laughs) So in in my lifetime... Obviously, we'd won the league, but I was, you know, nine months old, I think, at the time. <laughs> I don't remember it vividly at that time. Um, so, yeah, basically in my lifetime, until now, I'd never seen Liverpool win a league title. And I think 
this kind of recent success for younger fans, they're just now, this is the expected way. Liverpool are one of the top teams, but obviously a lot of us who've supported them through thick and thin know that it hasn't always been this good. So, yeah, very much like enjoying enjoying the ride at the moment. Also, it's good football. It's really nice yeah. football. The players were really likeable. It just, it all seems so happy. Even people like Lalana, who've done one thing in you know, the last three years, they get this lovely thing. They're so happy. Yeah. They're, they're really happy leaving with their time there and the whole ethos. And I say this as a Chelsea fan because I've had, you know, so many trophies and such good times as a Chelsea fan. But there's been so many times where I've absolutely despised our players and I've been so embarrassed of the club. And I, I've been, I still am sometimes embarrassed to say, oh, I'm a Chelsea fan. Mm. I'd be proud to say I was a Liverpool fan, which, by the way, is maybe why I'm a top red. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been searching for FSG outers to, to bring one of them on. I think... I don't know. I, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist. I think it's just some kind of conspiracy started by opposition fans to try and drive a wedge between us and, and, and conquer us. Because I don't think they exist. I'm trying to track them down. If anybody out there knows an FSG outer, I'm going to listen to their views. I'm going to hear what they have to say. They can put their point of view across. And then, uh, you know, um, it reminds me of that well, one time in class when my... When my um, uh, a, a theology teacher, because I had a theology teacher who was um, uh, an, an atheist who used to be a reverend and then he lost his faith in God. He invited a creationist to our theology class, as in the people who believe that Adam and Eve, you know, everything in the Bible is literally true. And he was there and it was very interesting to listen to his views. But then, of course, afterwards, we were like, now, nah, come on. You know, um, same thing with an FSG outer. If they want to come in and say FSG should leave, then I'm all ears. Really, I'm very, very interested to know, but I'm not sure they I, exist. I would, also, I would also love to hear that and hear someone like put across that point of view. Maybe it is just a Man City, Man United conspiracy. I mean, there is a very big difference as well. You know, we, we can't get like lost here. There's a very big difference between saying you do need to buy top quality players to refresh your squad. It's something Ferguson did so well at Man United and, you know, a huge part of their success. There's a very big difference to, to say in that and then saying, get the board out, this is awful, we're all on fire. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right, totally. So, Alex, do you think we actually need signings or, or not? Um, so, in terms of signings, yes and no is kind of the answer. You know, I think... Obviously, we're talking about the FSG outers there who've gone into <laughs> meltdown over over the lack of signs. But it has been it has been over the top because, you know, as I said, like the core group of players who won the league hasn't changed. We've obviously like shipped out the likes of Lalana and Lovren, but it's not that core group of players who really won that league title. Um, we've got the likes of Keita and Minamino to come in. I would expect big seasons from them if obviously not... Injuries not permitting, obviously. Um, signing Simicast as a backup left back, I think, was really important. I'm glad um, the club addressed that because outside of Robertson, it was it was pretty worrying <laughs> <laughs> what we were doing at left back otherwise. And he looks pretty good from preseason, like he'll slot in nicely. Um, my main worry um, is just not having another backup centre-back that isn't we've got obviously young centre-backs but with Lovren going there's no one you know as a fourth choice really who could come in and obviously we've just watched a performance where this you know the defensive performance wasn't the greatest and it's like there's not necessarily 
a lot of players who can push for that position. I know midfielders like Ginny and Hendo can slot in there, Fabinho slotted in there, but that that will probably be my my main concern at the moment. I know. Listen, I've been sucked in by the Thiago stuff. I've fully been oh, sucked God, in by it. <laughs> fully. Like, I tried not to be and tried not to get my hopes up, but I did start to believe it was going to happen. And still, it still might happen. It might not happen. It's all very confusing over how close the deal was to getting done, how legit these rumours were. It certainly looked like when he left the field um, in the Champions League final, like that was very much a farewell. That was going to be his last game. And then it just nothing has materialised but I wouldn't feel that silly by the way because I was checking out goalkeeper shirts to think oh I'll get all black on the <laughs> so there you are I haven't, I haven't gone that far yet but um, I don't think it's not like a signing we need Thiago it would be it would be bloody nice if we could get a midfielder of that quality in but I guess the argument is Cater is there he's gonna Ginny's not left Ginny's not left yet. There's also Curtis Jones as well to play. You know, bringing in a, a player like Thiago potentially limits his opportunities in the team. But the other side of it was like watching the last couple of games. I think the thing maybe Liverpool are lacking at the moment is a midfielder who can pass the ball and break the lines in that way because more and more teams are starting to limit Trent and Robbo and really nullify their creativity. So... Um, so yeah, having another creative outlet in the midfield to where it's basically thinking around the problem, which I would still expect Klopp and the team to do, but because so much of the creativity comes from Trent and Robertson at times, there needs to be, I think, something in the midfield to combat that. I feel like I'm a dog with a bone here because I've said it so many times on on our podcast and I say it to you all the time but when you talk about a midfielder who can pass the ball and you know I still I still think you should try harder for the Coutinho thing and I know that I know so many Liverpool fans have such polarizing opinions on him yeah, they but really do. I absolutely think he is that kind of midfielder but I get your point as well when I'm seeing people like Mason Mount do so well I don't want to bring in a Kai Havertz yeah. because I'm thinking I want to see you play I want to see you thrive I want to see you shine so I think that's the thing as well. The one thing I would say on the Liverpool signings is if this would have been a normal year and a normal summer and you'd done the same activity and we'd have gone into this season knowing the African Cup of Nations was playing, I'd have said you are absolutely done for. I cannot mm. believe you've been that, that neglectful. But the AFCON's moved. Yeah. It is a year later now. So you're not going to lose Salah, Mane, you know, Cater for such a period of time. So I think it is slightly different, and maybe as well that's another thing that Klopp and FSG are looking at. Also, yeah. you remember like the big Verge thing, you know, when you want a player, you will just wait for them. How do you know that you're not waiting six months to get somebody in January that you don't know about? People that talk about these transfers or even write about them, you know, as much as Duncan Castle thinks he slipped in Mourinho's bed, in reality, he's got absolutely <laughs> no clue, has he? You know, they think they know so much, but realistically, it's only Klopp and FSG that really know what's happening. How do you know what's going to happen? Could be signing anybody. That's Could be getting job break. It's quite the mental <laughs> image you've created there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. The, 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 um, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that used to annoy me is a lot of secrets used to leak out of the club. And I used to think, well, why? And Klopp has and FFG, FSG have put a stop 
to that, which is uh, which is very nice. And uh, yeah, I I totally agree with you, Alex, as well in terms of like someone who can you know control the tempo of a match and sitting deep in midfield. I mean, basically, Thiago would be absolutely glorious. And I have also completely bought into it. And um, yes, I wake up um, early uh, pre-dawn, and my pre-dawn thoughts are just. Probably eight out of ten of them involve Thiago Alcantara playing for Liverpool. Um, Thiago passing the ball to Mo Salah, that's like... Can, they, can you imagine? You can you that. imagine the, the midfield options, you know? If, if, if Genie State... Oh, we could talk about this all night. But I do want to... Um, I do want to move on to, to a little... Um, I thought of a, a little part of this... Uh, episode we could do one word questions where you just give you one word and you can go uh, wherever you like with it um so we've done kepper so i'm going to do the next one on my list which is a liverpool one um so alex roberto fermino fermino is the one word question so i i don't have to give a one word answer here <laughs> no please don't yeah um it should be teeth <laughs> <laughs> the whitest teeth in the galaxy um <laughs> but yeah i think he's he's so pivotal to, to the way the team plays he's so underrated i do think again something we spoke about last night of like maybe he does need to up his goal scoring again that was something that he he was slightly lacking in last season i know martin tyler liked to bring up every game <laughs> anfield how he hadn't scored at anfield and then i believe Firmino scored against Chelsea at Anfield just to put that put that stat to bed. It is very important that one of the words isn't Martin or Tyler because we will not be able to publish <laughs> what we say. <laughs> He's a, yes, um, fascinating commentator in his hatred um, <laughs> of Liverpool. But yeah, I mean, Firmino, I think he's... He, he almost like polarises opinion in a weird way, which is crazy when you think about how he's been part of how much this Liverpool side has improved. He's so important to how he creates the space for Mane and Salah. I mean, they're phenomenal attackers, but they would not be scoring the amount of goals they do without someone like Firmino helping to create that space for them. So I'm always like, you know, team Bobby on this. But I do, yeah, I do hope he chips in with, with a few more goals this season. That will be my my only slight criticism, I think. Yes, he looks a little bit shy. He looks a little bit timid. He looks like someone who's just in front of goal, just lacking a, a little bit of the cutting edge. But I totally agree. He's uh, he's a beautiful player to watch. Absolutely wonderful. Wouldn't swap him for anyone. Um, Rebecca, Jorginho. Oh, well, ah, gosh. If you'd have asked <laughs> me under sorry, there would have been a different answer. But... Do you want to mention his penalty technique and how you like basically sang a song when he did the uh, the Jorginho hop. I can't remember the song. Why did you sing it for everybody? I, I'd rather not at this point. But. Um, but yeah, I feel like I want him to be starting. I like Jorginho. I think that when you play him properly, he offers an awful lot. Um, it's funny because if you'd asked me the word Jorginho, as I say under sorry, I would have said sell. And now if you ask me the word Kante, I would say sell because I'm not sure that what we have <laughs> as a manager or what we've had can fit the two of them together in a midfield. And now we've got all these forwards as well. And you want to accommodate. I also want to accommodate a five at the back, which I think is even more important. And 
I love N'Golo Kante, but I, if I had to pick between the two, and I think it's going to come to that point this season when everybody's fit and available, I think you're going to have to do that. I would actually start Jorginho. I think he offers you a little bit more. So would you... God, I hate myself. <laughs> would you have, what, Kovacic and Jorginho in there then? I probably would because, again, I'm a huge advocate of this five at the back because it's the only way I'm going to feel comfortable with Thiago Silva starting any kind of game and I also think that's the way we are best defensively anyway and I think the wing backs will help so much going forward and I think all of this feeds into how important Jorginho can be um, and I think you might have the question of it's N'Golo Kante a, a tad redundant in that yeah crazy that 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 could be a thing but mm. I, yeah I totally know what you mean like Kante though would go to another team and be oh, like he's my best player it's uh, yeah it's crazy you can name nearly every other team in the world where yeah he would improve you know, them instantly yeah it, it's such a strange situation mm, yeah it is it is indeed I mean I love N'Golo Kante but um he's had knee problems right I mean he's he's not perfectly fit is that is that true yeah, and I've seen people as well say, like, perhaps the way he's played has taken it out of him, and now we're seeing the consequences, and he has been a little bit stop and start with injury, which which hasn't helped the situation, but, you know, a huge problem we had last season was inconsistency in the 11, and we didn't have a spine, you know, Lampard could never pick a spine and stick to it, and I think to have any kind of success as a side, you have to do that, and... I'm not sure if you're genuinely picking a spine right now, Conte would actually be in it, mm. um, which is, is very bizarre to say because obviously the last time we had genuine success, he was the reason. Yeah. But the, ga- the game moves on, is that even a, a fair thing to yeah, say? I, I don't, like I said, I don't even think it's the game moving on. It's just I don't think he fits in that Chelsea team anymore and it, it is strange because you'd back him to go to any top club yeah. in Europe and be absolutely pivotal but it's just a yeah it's like a, a round peg in a square hole at the moment basically yeah excellent excellent answer thank you very much yeah um uh, 29 years old and Golo Kante I just uh I just checked um and uh, I don't know I love I love seeing him when Chelsea aren't, aren't playing against Liverpool, I love watching Golo Kante, so uh, I don't know. Wish him all the best, and Jorginho as well. What a player. Um, I'll just do uh, one more each of these. Um, so I'm going to give you Curtis Jones, Alex. Oh, good one. Yeah, really exciting, loads of potential. It's always nice to see, you know, homegrown Scouser on the pitch. Obviously, the fact that he scored that scream against Everton <laughs> as well instantly like secured him basically as a cult hero immediately. Um, and yeah, I think another option we've got in midfield that's been slightly overlooked in all the you know Tiago talk and whether Wijnaldum stays and and everything around that of, that we have got these other players who can come in caters you know the obvious high profile one, but Curtis Jones every time he's played has put in a really good performance and I think he does offer um, an element going forward in a slightly different way that, that the other Liverpool midfielders don't necessarily so yeah I've, I would anticipate that we'll we'll see a fair bit of him this season not not maybe starting games but certainly coming on around 60-70 minutes I think to have like an impact yeah, I think it's really interesting when you hear rival fans, from my perspective, talk about Chelsea's, you know, 
lack of sticking with the youth this season, buying in all these big names. And I'm like, yeah, but also some of you are saying, oh, let's sell Brewster and also let's get in Thiago and just put Owen, jo- uh, sorry, Curtis Jones aside. Owen Jones. Owen Jones. <laughs> I think he got him <laughs> Um, yeah, imagine get him in the midfield, but um, you know, putting Curtis Jones aside, and it, it can't just work as in one team one way. I like Curtis Jones. Um, I was really impressed with him last season when I watched yeah. him, and I think you've got to at some point take the plunge and say these players aren't just bit members of the squad. We're not just going to play them in the cups to give them minutes. They are actual real important players. I trust in them, and I'm gonna back them to come on and make the difference instead of buying X, Y, and Z. I'd love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun watching him play. I mean, I'm, I'm, I get ridiculously, um, what's the word, bullish about our players. Um, and I would say, yeah, for, to me, he looks like a future Ballon d'Or winner. Where are we? The 16th of <laughs> September, 2020. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm gonna I'm gonna write it down my prediction just <laughs> so that in ten years I can look back and tell myself I was wrong just like I was with Joe Allen and uh, Charlie <laughs> Adam. Uh, but anyway, um, so Rebecca, um, one word question. Um, uh, the last one, Reese James. I like Reese James. I think he should be starting this season. He's another reason I'd really advocate for a back five as well because I think that gets the best out of him. Um, I know last season, especially, you know, in the Champions League, he got his pants pulled down a little bit, but that's okay. That needs to happen. I'm a really big advocate of these young players having that experience, making those mistakes and learning. And it's naivety. It's not being a bad player. It's being a young player and it's being naive. And then they learn from the mistake and they don't do it again. If they do do it again and they keep doing it, then you've got to start having a conversation of, are they actually that good? Mm. But you can't, you know, write somebody off in their first proper season or their second proper season. And, you know, he's lethal on the ball. We saw that against Brighton. Yeah, what a goal that was. Yeah, he's got such a good eye for that kind of goal. And, I like him. I'm always enthusiastic for, you know, young players to come through as well. I said on our podcast, I'm actually devastated from that he's English because I feel like Mm. so much is going to be put on his shoulders. And, you know, this horrible narrative of which right back is the best and all fans get really tribal. And then, you know, if Trent makes a mistake, you get Man United and Chelsea Twitter and fans being horrible to Trent. If it's Wan-Bissaka, it's the other way around. Mm. If it's reshaped, you know, and th- there's this, like, narrative and pressure that isn't necessarily on all the players. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is absolutely ludicrous how how many young English right-backs, like, yeah. specifically that position, seems to be, like, the most stacked England have had in God knows how long. It's, yeah, it's mad. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. They, they they might have even kept Gary Neville out of the England team had they been around in, in his generation, maybe. Um, but no, yeah, thank you. Very interesting answer. And uh, to move to move on to like um, my first question, you know, very specifically about this weekend's game, um, Rebecca, with Reese James, is do you rate him highly enough to be able to stop Sadio, the main man, man? there's a question I'm not sure I'd rate really anybody in the world uh, <laughs> high enough to do that I think nice to hear. yes I, well I love Mane I think he's such a good player I think 
when you look at Mane and Salah, they are, for me, the two players in the world you absolutely do not want running at you. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be a good experience from whatever happens because you do need to play against the best of the best to get yourself to a certain level and to test yourself as well. be nice to watch him, actually, in not as obviously, I don't mean nice when he concedes five goals and Sadio Mane's man of the match and then we're all done for. <laughs> I don't mean nice in that way, but nice to see if he's learnt from his games last season and nice to see if he's learnt from the Champions League and mm. to see how he's progressed as a player because until you watch them there in those games, these young players, you don't know how they've progressed. Um, so, yeah, I am a little bit excited for that. I, like I say, I, I couldn't rate Mane any higher. So, again, no blame on Rhys James if if he has a disaster class. It's just you've got to learn from that. A very decent answer. But then on the other side, you've got Alonso against Salah. <laughs> oh, Alex, Alex is laughing. You, you, are you feeling confident about that one, Alex? I mean, you. we all saw what Mo Salah just did in the first game of the season. Like, man of the match, hat-trick. He looks like... Yeah, it, it seems it's crazy to say he seems like he's in the, his best form for a while because he's always in great form and he's such a victim of his own success from that first season at Liverpool and how many scored that every subsequent season people think he's not been quite as good. But he definitely like looks like he's hit the ground running this season. He wants the golden boot. He was the guy making the difference in the game against Leeds and yeah, I think it'll be it'll obviously be Alonso down that side, and I you'd assume Zuma as well as the, on that side of the centre back pairing. And yeah, I don't think they'll be looking forward to Mosala um, running at them because also even Mosala not in his best form tends to do quite well against Chelsea. So God, I wonder why. <laughs> Him in this form, I think, could be, yeah, could be quite scary for Chelsea's defence, to be honest. And Alonso, like, well, he's going to be up against Salah and Trent as well down that side. You know, Alonso's probably going to have to curb some of his more attacking instincts, I think, because Trent will just exploit that all day long if Alonso gets too high up the pitch. Well, that was the thing that that, uh, Bielsa, for all of his... um, uh, bravado gusto call it what you like it was absolutely marvelous to watch but um you know a few people have have, have picked up on the fact that they did actually give Mo Salah a lot of room um and space and uh left him sort of one-on-one with their defender so presumably Rebecca Frank Lampard, I mean, despite his limitations, he will try to come up with a a better defensive plan. Can you see him sort of tweaking the tactics and being a little bit defensive? I mean, is Lampard able to do that? Does Lampard have the ability to do that? Um, (laughs) Do we have the players to do that right now? Um, I think he did try in that Brighton game to be more solid and to set us up to be more combative of attacks and being ripped apart I'm just not sure the defensive coaching is there at Chelsea I really don't think it is I think he will want those fullbacks to be a lot more solid but again I know I sound like a broken record for me the best thing to do is a five at the back because then you've got almost an extra man in there Mm. when or if somebody gets around you or somebody gets inside you know players can come across they can almost one extra you know central defender if you will can essentially do the work of a fullback if they're caught out of position 
Well, I'm, that's what I've been wondering about how Lampard's actually going to set up tactically in this game because obviously went 4-2-3-1 um, against Brighton. I wonder, is he going to stick with that? Does he revert to the back three? Because, yeah, arguably that's a much better way to limit Liverpool's front three. I would agree as well. I would agree three at the back. But, I mean, you know, how realistic is it that he will actually do that? Has he done it before, Rebecca? I don't know. Yeah, so we've done the five at the back before last season a few times, and it's been, or, you know, you call it the three and then the two or five in midfield or whatever, however you want to do it. But it's been, for me, the best we've played, and that's the most I've enjoyed watching us and the most solid I I thought we are. I just think at the moment Lampard might think, oh, the the right players aren't available. I'm a little bit hamstrung. If, If we are incorporating, it won't happen this weekend, it's too soon, but when we do incorporate Thiago Silva... I think in terms of his age and pace level right now, he's going to have to be in the middle of a back three. Otherwise, we are going to see him with that high line just get caught out again, again, and again. And even if Lampard starts with a four with Thiago Silva in it, he's going to very quickly realise that is not supposed to be a thing. Yeah, I don't think this is... I know Thiago Silva's like a big game player. He's got loads of experience. I'm not sure you drop him right into playing the, the reigning it Premier League champions. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect to see him start. But yeah, with Lampard, like, as we said earlier, like, he changed the team so many times last season that it's still, like, it still is a little bit unpredictable what he's going to go with as the lineup. because on paper, I wouldn't expect to see that many changes. I'd probably expect Kovacic to come in, but that might be about it really but then you think is he just going to completely change the formation around again yeah I think one of the things with Lampard is he doesn't know his spine and he doesn't know his best players he doesn't know his best formation which means we don't have a clue either yeah yeah, nobody does because we chop and change so much and again as I said before that's been a massive problem for us this season last season Mm, so yes okay um maybe he took took his tips from claudio ranieri the tinker man who knows <laughs> um no it's all very interesting um jamie Conlon, Connolly, excuse me jamie um also one of the Copon family um he sent me a message earlier talking about the tactics for the game and he said if liverpool win the midfield battle then we will win the game um, Alex, the uh, the midfield is a, is a is a fascinating thing, isn't it? With Liverpool, we've got options. Um, even without Thiago, we've got lots of options. Um, who would you pick in midfield? And do you agree with Jamie's assessment that if we win the midfield battle, if we get service to our front players, then uh, Chelsea will will lose? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I would go with that. I think. Chelsea's midfield against Brighton still looked gappy, <laughs> shall we say. There was still, you know, if he does bring Kovacic back in, that might help shore that up a little bit. Um, I think in terms of Liverpool, Liverpool's midfield, <laughs> <laughs> I said that in a very scouse way, didn't I? Um, in terms of Liverpool's midfield, I, if he's fit enough, I would like to see Fabinho starting because I think that protects the back four much better. We saw when he came on against Leeds, it did look a little bit more secure at that point. And then I guess it's a question of how Klopp sees it. Does he play a cater to potentially open up Chelsea a bit more? Does he need to in that one? Is it is it better to go with Fabinho, Henderson, Wijnaldum, which is tried and tested very compact he knows they can win the ball back quickly effectively get it moving to the front three so 
I would probably expect it to be Fabinho, Henderson, Wijnaldum, and them to just, yeah, completely, sorry, bully Chelsea's midfield, to be honest. No, I do, I do agree with the midfield point, but I, I agree with that up to a point, <laughs> funnily enough, um, because I think even if we won the midfield battle, but we didn't nullify Trent, probably still going to lose. Yeah, which is that. I think is, we've got to do both. That is the beauty of of Liverpool, like they do have so many areas that you have to worry about. And One you're... person's beauty is another person's pain. I'll I'm getting it. not an audio feature, but the the look I was getting there was <laughs> <laughs> looks could kill. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Yeah, it's it's so um, it's so I don't know the the midfield. You've really got totally different ways and styles of playing and styles and approaches. I, I do agree with you, Alex. I do think Kloppo is likely, especially away from home, to go with a sort of muscular midfield. But then the forgotten man, James Milner, could he roll out just as a sort of surprise wild card? Because Klopp loves a wild card. Um, the team uh, for Chelsea, uh, let's say that, I don't know, maybe he's going to go three at the back. I don't know. The team against Brighton was... Uh, Kepa the keeper, Kepa the Casper keeper in goal, uh, Marcus Alonso, Kurt Zuma, Christensen and Rhys James. Um, um, in midfield, you had uh, Jorginho and Kante holding with uh, Mason Mount, Kai Havertz and uh, Loftus-Cheek in front of them. And up front was Timo Werner. Um, it's a very good team uh, on paper, apart from the defence and the goalkeeper. Um, but uh, Rebecca, what I, I know what you would do. You put play three at the back. Um, would you expect Lampard to agree with you, or you just really, as you said before, you've got no idea what he's going to do? I think it'll be a pretty similar team, but I think Loftus Cheek will get dropped. Um, that would be my take from the performance against Brighton as well. Um, I at the moment, we, you know, Thiago Silva isn't fit. I think he will stick with Zuma and Christensen. Um, just because, obviously, they seem to be the fittest. They seem to have had the most, in inverted commas, pre-season as well with the club. Um, Chilwell probably won't make it. So I think that is extremely close to the team we're going to see. I just might expect a little tweak in terms of the Loftus-Cheek position. And to be quite honest, considering how he played against Brighton, I think he deserves it. Uh, so Kovacic coming in? I, I'd say so, yeah. Um uh, uh, the beauty of Timo Werner, though, and this wouldn't happen, but the beauty of Timo Werner is you could also play, I, I think, legitimately Tammy Abraham and then Timo Werner behind him or yeah. on one of the wings. You know, Werner is such, no offence to all the sad, sad Liverpool players that are fans <laughs> out there who wish they got him. He's such a versatile player and we saw against Brighton, he can do so much stuff. He, he can do more stuff than you realise. He loves to drift out as well to the wings. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he. I think he did play it wide at times for Leipzig as well so yeah it's just again is Lampard tactically flexible enough to actually see those opportunities because potentially yeah that's something that Liverpool maybe wouldn't have fully prepared for if he yeah. did something like that and sometimes it is like a case you need to obviously someone like Pep Guardiola sometimes does this a bit too much but you do have to try and outthink an opposition manager and like try and surprise them a little bit I just don't know if if Lampard has the capacity yet to actually do that no I agree and the thing is when you know we look at certain games and the game against Arsenal is case in point where 
we came out 20 minutes were really really good then those nonsense water breaks absolutely crucified us because Arteta <laughs> saw the game completely changed it because Arteta is hugely tactically astute you know and then Lampard couldn't react because Lampard only had what he knew mm. we were doing in the first instance so it is an interesting question that I do sometimes I I love Klopp's manager sometimes I watch him and wonder if he waits 10 minutes too long to make substitutions in certain mm. games um so I think if we could surprise him that would be great I'm not sure we will well, Liverpool have got um, a kind of worrying habit of, of conceding the first goal and starting slowly. Uh, that's been going on for a while. Um, but um, so hopefully we can we can, we can get out of the, out of the blocks uh, a bit better. Um, and yeah, then not concede sloppy goals as soon as we've scored. Uh, Klopp at Stamford Bridge. Now this is an interesting record uh, in the last five matches. Well, the only five matches that. Klopp has played at Stamford Bridge. Our record is win, win, loss, draw, win. So three wins, a loss, and a draw for Jurgen Klopp at Stamford Bridge, which is way better than I, than you know anyone has the right to do at Stamford Bridge. Um, uh, a prediction: Do you think we can, you know, win again? Last season we won there two-one, of course. What do you think, Alex? I, yeah, I'm back in Liverpool to win. I think my prediction on our podcast was 3-1, potentially. I mean, in terms of, like, obviously the win-loss record, it's, you know, that Klopp is fully living rent-free in Lampard's head now as well. Oh, which I don't think even. Also has an effect, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, even despite, you know, some of the dodgy defensive showings against Leeds, shall we say, like, I would be surprised if Chelsea could exploit that in the same way because they don't, he's not going to set up tactically like Bielsa did. He's not going to try and buy... You're trying to say that Frank Lampard isn't as tactically astute as Bielsa. (laughs) Oh, Alex, how could you do this to me? The guy who influenced (laughs) most of the top managers in football, yeah. The guy that Guardiola and uh, Pochettino trekked to Argentina (laughs) But he's yeah, I don't think Lampard's going to try and bypass the midfield in the same way. I don't think he's going to try and, you know, at times like Bielsa, like Leeds were committing like five yeah. players forward. It's just when you look at how Chelsea set up against Brighton, they're not going to mm-hmm. set up, you know, to attack really against Liverpool. And I think, yeah, that you would expect Liverpool, therefore, to, to dominate the game, win the midfield battle. And yeah, I... I'm not convinced that, like you said, like Alonso is going to be able to keep Trent Alexander-Arnold quiet or keep Salah quiet, and I think that's where not the problems convinced. come in. <laughs> well, he's he's not, is he? I'll put my neck out there and say Alonso probably isn't going to have the defensive <laughs> nows to him to keep those two quiet. I'm almost certain the words Marcus and Alonso will be trending on Twitter by 20 minutes in. It won't be because of the... Keith's phone wallet thing, wallet. <laughs> oh dear. But I mean, that that's surely one of the key battles, isn't it? I mean, if Timo Werner does drift out wide, that's where a lot of Chelsea's dangers uh, could come from. If, you know, like Bielsa exploited the space left by our attacking fullbacks absolutely brilliantly, didn't he? Um, or at least he tried to. It's hard against Liverpool, but um, he did so well. Uh, uh, yeah, can Frank find that those gaps? I'm not sure, but that surely is a key battle. Um, what's your prediction, Rebecca? Um, I actually 
actually went for a draw, but now I feel like a complete fool. Uh, not as foolish as I feel having put all my Halloween decorations out. It's been 28 degrees this week, but still a fool nonetheless. Um, yeah, I, I, I still kind of feel like a 2-2 or something. But the problem is because I am, you know, in my heart of hearts, a little bit of a Liverpool fan still want you to retain Ooh, the title. It's that, so hard for me to want you to drop points. That's been admitted on another Liverpool podcast now that you're secretly... Yes, but no Chelsea <laughs> fan will ever like me, so I need to get some validation from somewhere. <laughs> from, from Chelsea's side, I will say Werner's definitely going to score, isn't he? Because it's just the narrative is right there. Like, Werner's going to score, Salah's going to score... Because that's that's always the way these things seem to go in games like this. Yeah, I just prayed one day that Ginny will score. I wasn't like against Leeds, just praying Ginny will score. Because I, ju- I just want Shut all those horrible sweater. people. Yeah. To, you know, I just love him so much. Maybe now I've lost all the goodwill I've got from Liverpool Square. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, you know, it's so good of you both to... To, to you know have this chat i mean it's, it's brilliant to preview the game and, and hear both of your uh, opinions on on uh, frank's chelsea i almost said fat frank's chelsea but uh, oh no then i i just excuse me he's actually never been he's got sort of chubby cheeks but he's not really been a large man but anyway we won't talk about his weight um we can talk about his his, his lack of skill uh we've already done that his thank lack you of skill. Oh, and like a skill. Not a <laughs> no, 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 come on. You another hour. <laughs> no, come on. Come on, come on, come on. I mean, that was a no, marvelous player, wonderful player. Would be brilliant in the Bielsa system, running from midfield, actually. Uh, absolutely superb player. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, so was Roy Keane. And uh, as a manager, absolute shite. So, but excuse me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on that note, sorry, no offense. But um, I'm just... Uh, you said yeah. no offence because you're afraid Roy Keane may come and find you now. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. A terrifying man. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no. Um, thank you very much, both of you. Have um, a, the marvellous remainder of your evening. Yes, here I am. Here I am with Doug. He's very kindly agreed to to jump onto Skype uh, to talk about um, the absolutely it's sort of mind blowing in the best way possible. It just sort of explodes your mind in a flurry of um, what's that happy hormone? Serotonin, serotonin surging through the blood of and the brains of. All Liverpool fans across the world. Tiago Alcantara, a fee has been agreed. Uh, Doug, uh, what were you doing when you heard the news? I mean, this is this is this is generational stuff. You've got to tell your grandkids about this signing. Oh, oh it's just it's just unbelievable. Like that 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 story broke about half past nine, half past nine this morning, and like. I like I had 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 breakfast. I had had everything. I had like a cup of had a cup of tea as well. And then the basically the news came on my phone and it said um, the Athletic Liverpool have agreed or are close to signing Thiago. And I was like, I, I literally literally could not believe it. Like I had to look for about five seconds. And then and then basically I decided to basically get my iPad, do a video. I'm I'm absolutely buzzing. 
absolutely buzzing. I've said this is the player we've been needing for absolute ages. We've been needing a creative midfielder. And it looks like Genie's going to be staying after all as well. So, you know, we've got so many uh, options in that midfield now, but Thiago is the missing piece in the jigsaw. He really is. I mean, he's not just creative. He tackles. Um, he holds his position. He's 29 years old. Just to give you a couple of facts, I've been, you know, whizzing around uh, um, loads of different sites in the past sort of 10 minutes. Only only sort of saw the message 10 minutes ago. I've been working. Um, I'm so excited. Like you, buzzing. Great word for it. So he's born on the 11th of April, 1991. That makes him 29. Um, he was actually born in Italy. Did you know that? Uh, to Brazilian parents. Um, and one of his parents, his dad, played in the 1994 World Cup in the USA for Brazil, Mazinho. I don't know how many of our listeners will remember him. Um, I don't really remember. I remember the name. It's a brilliant name, Mazinho. So he comes from footballing stock. Um, and looking at his honours, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Now, I've, I've checked this on two different sites. I've how many trophies he's won and adding them up i added them up myself because um and my maths is really bad but simple addition is not too bad um i make it that he's made he's won 35 major trophies he's won la liga four times the german bundesliga seven times the dfb pokal the german cup four times the spanish copa del rey once the Spanish Super Cup three times, the German Super Cup three times, the Champions League twice, the UEFA Super Cup three times, the Club World Cup three times, the World Audi Cup, I don't even know what that is, three times, I think, uh, the UEFA under 21 Euros twice. I make that a grand total of 35 trophies. And in comparison, Lionel Messi has won 34 um, this is one of, if not the most decorated footballer of our time. He's won the league every season but one in his mm. career, going back to 2008-2009. Um, with him in the team, dictating things from the back, no one's going to stop us. They can't stop us in the league season, can they, Doug? No, absolutely not. Um, I think this is a, this is a signing that gets teams to basically look at. It's basically a signing that you could actually say that teams will now look at us and think, "Wow, we've you've got you've got a very very great player." I mean, I remember him in the Barcelona days; he was fantastic there. But Bayern Munich, he's been even better as well. Injury record is a wee bit of a worry, but I reckon with. Um, with games under his belt. I mean, there's even talk the medical's going to be done today. You know, the medical's done today. If if he is signed today, then he goes straight into the squad for, for Chelsea on Sunday, and we might actually see him, or, or he or his debut would be obviously Arsenal. But uh, it's just... This this is a signing we've been needing for ages. I, I've, said, I've said this as a, uh, very well. Felipe Coutinho was the, our last attacking midfielder. And now we've got one in, in Thiago, who, let's be honest, is is um, trophy cabinet. I mean, he's even got more. Tro- he's got one more trophy than Lionel Messi. Yeah, that he needs to build just... a shed. It's not just a cabinet. He's built a special shed in his garden for, for the trophy. <laughs> but um, 
Oh, it's just it's just un- unbelievable. But um, oh, I'm just excited. And apparently he's going to wear the number six. So uh, he's got big shoes to fill. <laughs> no, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but, uh, but no, um, no, I would I would rather Tiago Alcantara number six than Dejan Lovren. Let's put it that way. But uh, no, it's uh, it's it's a signing that's making me very very excited. Yeah, you did mention his injury record, and that's one thing that can, you know, like, you know, nothing is perfect in this life, but, you know, he's pretty close to it. Uh, but yes, his injury record, he did manage to make uh, 26 starts or 30 total appearances um, for Bayern Munich in 1819. And then in 1920, he only managed 20 starts in the league with 20, 24 in total, so four substitute appearances. 20 starts last season he played 1771 minutes for those of you who could work out how many 90s that is i don't know um about 20 yeah just under 20 and um so he might not be fit all season but when he is fit if he is fit assuming he passes the medical those stringent liverpool doctors of course um um what would what would be your team for Chelsea then? I mean, you know, like the options are endless in midfield, but who would you pick? Would you change to 4 2 3 1? We've got so many options. What would you go for, Doug? I would probably go for 4 2 3 1, to be honest with you. Because um, look at, looking at it, like I think it'll be, be Alisson, I think it'll be the usual back four, and then you've got a choice. You have a choice now. So it could be, it could be Fabinho and Thiago, and then maybe. Maybe the like the front the front three sort of you know, well actually actually if you come to think of it no actually no actually what about Fabinho and Henderson as the holding midfielders and then Thiago in like the wee pocket so it could be like a four two um it could be like a four two one three or something like that 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 could that could possibly work because um, Thiago for me would be the base behind the um, the, the attackers. So I I think it'll be Allison, Trent, Gomez, uh, Van Dyke, Robertson, Fabinho and Hendo in the holding, Thiago in the attacking, and then the front three for me. If you're going that formation, um, you're changing his position a little bit because he is normally a sort of defensive midfielder player, but yeah, moving him further up, he's definitely got the skills to do that. But what about if you had, for example, um, Thiago holding with oh we've got so many things i've got no idea what i do but let's say for example if you're doing this sort of in that formation you've got tiago and henderson holding nabby cater in front and then the front three that could be that could be very exciting to watch couldn't it what about if he keeps sticks with the 4-3-3 i prefer the 4-3-3 because in 4-2-3-1 you're your wide players have to defend a bit, you know, to, to a bit more than in a four-three-three. In my my in my sort of experience of watching football, I don't really know, but uh, I would. I don't know if he sticks with the four-three-three, then you can have uh, Thiago, Henderson, Vinaldum, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. Um, yes. It's so beautiful, the whole thing. Um, you could, I mean, Thiago and James Milner, the old men, bring out the old men. It would be, it, 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 you know, roll them out. Absolutely wonderful. Um, 
there's so much there's so much to be excited about but yes 29 years old 35 major trophies and it's 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 i can't i can't believe it i can't believe i've actually done it because i was thinking as well when you know look at our big signings in in history okay like in in your life okay uh, and you know i'm a little bit older than you but in my life if you look where we got our players from uh, of course van dyke was a world record price for a defender but we got him from southampton alison becker um more or less a world record signing from roma now he was someone who's proven quality but i don't know about you i don't really watch the italian league so i wasn't really and he was new on the scene he had only been playing in the roma team for a year uh before we signed him um so i didn't really know much about him and then you go back to our other fa fantastic signings mohammed salah unproven you know again came from italy but this is the first player that i can think of the first major signing who's come from a major team who's chosen to to leave the european champions to come to liverpool to join this exciting project with klopp and that's something that i think is really interesting because i don't i don't remember am i missing someone i mean is there is there something in that that you know in the in the kind of um shift in, in 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 liverpool's perception around europe as a fabulous destination club um, it's a good point it's a very very good point actually um like i know like i know i know we signed obviously like i know we signed torres from Atletico madrid Navas, that was a big deal at the time i know we signed suarez from ajax um i know he was i know he's proven in ajax but you know, he, he wasn't proven anywhere else. Um, I think I think you're right. I think this could be our biggest transfer in the history of the club. In terms of from a big team, absolutely, yeah. But a good one to bring up Torres. Yeah, I mean, he came from Atletico. Uh, loads of big clubs were chasing him, so that was a that was a, a coup to sign him. Um, but yeah, this is certainly. I mean, that since Torres, I mean, this is a. Uh, you know, wow, everybody, oh. what are you looking forward to most about watching him? Oh, it's just, it's just his all-round play, like, like he's, he's what we've been needing to, you know, get, get a few more, he may, he pops up with goals as well, um, scored a few, scored a, a, scored quite a few for Barcelona, scored quite a few for, you know, Munich, um, if he can pop up with the goals, then, you know, that's, that's something we've been lacking in midfield, I think, is, is that our midfield is very, very hard working, but they're not getting many goals. Like Henderson, Keita, I know they popped up with a few last season, but um, Thiago, he pops up with goals at time from time to time. So, you know, if, if, we're, needing, if we're needing someone, you know, to score, uh, you know, if, if it's like nil-nil after like 80 minutes and, you know, it's like, oh, like we just scrape like one-nils or something, then he could be potentially that, that, that player. But no, his overall round play... Um, He's just going to be a joy to watch for the front three. Um, you know, popping in balls from you know. Um, he, he reminds me of Xabi Alonso a little bit. So maybe we found our new Xabi Alonso. Good call. Yes, exactly. We you know maybe this is this is it. We've been waiting since the whatever it was twenty oh nine ten when Xabi Alonso left. Yeah. Whenever that was. Uh, uh, yeah, we've been waiting since then. 
to replace him. And this is it. That's a great call. Yeah, in terms of goals, um, he doesn't score that many. He scores a few, but uh, last season he got three, uh, just, just league goals. I'm not counting Champions League, just in the Bundesliga. Three last season, two, two, six. And two in the last uh, five seasons going backwards in the, in the Bundesliga. So, yeah, occasionally. Um, and also assists, assists from the number six position, which we don't get very often. Um, you know, he had, although he didn't make an assist last year, unusually for him. He got six the season before and two the season before that, five the season before that and three the season before that. So... Wow. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to his, uh, yeah, as you say, just everything about him. Uh, if yeah. there's one thing, the little tricks, like the way that he wriggles out of spaces, you know, he's like a, he's like a, an octopus um, in a, I don't know, trying to, trying to get through a, the hatch of a submarine. He just wriggles through any gap. Um, and, uh, you know, even, even where there isn't one. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait. I just can't wait. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, so if it goes through today, if, and we can only keep our fingers crossed that he passes this medical, oof, uh, then 30 million, it's a no-brainer. The fee is hilariously low for someone of that quality, isn't it? And um, FSG out, Michael Edwards out, Klopp out, because uh, then... <laughs> They're not backing the manager. It goes to show again the point I've been making for ages that you don't need to spend a lot of money if you are very smart. And we've got the right people in charge, haven't we, Doug? Uh, this, um, I really want to find an FSG outer. If you know any, let me know. I want to know their opinions because it's nonsense to, 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 to doubt our ownership, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, you you hit the nail on the head. We don't have to spend that amount. Like, we don't have to spend mega mega bucks to you know get get players like that. But we've got Costa Simicas for Simicas, sorry, uh, for uh, eleven million, and uh, you know Thiago for you know twenty seven million pounds. I mean, uh, you know that's that's thirty eight million on two players, and you know what we've not. Yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone can say, oh, you know, Chelsea, Chelsea have been spending, Man City have been spending, you know, Arsenal have been spending. But put it this way, our boards do things a lot better than any other any other boards that I can think of. And Michael Edwards, that guy deserves a statue. The amount, amount of transfer work he has managed to get us, it's, it's, it's just incredible. I'm, I'm so looking forward to having Thiago in our team because he will improve our midfield by... A lot. I mean, how do you feel if you're Pep Guardiola now? You've managed to attract Nathan Ake. You've managed to attract Fernand Torres, or whatever his name is. Ferran Torres, excuse me. Ferran Torres, um, who got, I think it was two goals um, in La Liga mm. last year, and he's supposed to be a winger. Um, you... And our other rivals, Solskjaer, you know, back in June, people talk about, oh, yeah, Solskjaer, the pulling power of Manchester United is back because we're in the Champions League. So, you know, we're going to sign uh, Jadon Sancho and we're going to sign uh, Kai Havertz and all this stuff. None of that has transpired. They got Donny van der Beek, good player. Uh, but you've got to be gutted if you're a Man United fan, if you are 
uh, a City fan, and if you are a Chelsea fan, with all the dodgy defending and, and, and not signing a keeper, and you spent all this money, and then Liverpool go and pull this beauty out of the hat. Um, uh, they, they, I mean, our joy, the, the yin or the yang to our yin or yang, whatever the other side is, is their misery for our happiness, surely, Doug? Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, you hit the nail on the head. Like Man City, they've got Nathan Ake, they've got Ferran Torres, Man United, Donny van der Beek. Yeah, Chelsea, you know, you may have got Thiago Silva, you may have got Kai Havertz, you may have got Timo Werner, um, yeah, uh, and and the other, the other players who I can't actually think, Ben Chilwell as well, but Liverpool to get a player of Thiago's quality and the you know from what he's been bringing to you know Barcelona and Bayern Munich and I immediately thought after the Champions League final let's go and get Thiago let's go and get him because he was the best player on the pitch that night I thought he was absolutely tremendous and it it just this will go all around Europe knowing that you know Liverpool have signed a fantastic player in Thiago Alcantara someone who was obviously under Pep Guardiola's stewardship at Barcelona um, and now the fact the, the major fact is that he wants to play for Klopp that's that's the one thing he wants to play for Klopp he wants to join Liverpool I mean there's even talk that he was you know he's even found his house in Liverpool but, but let's let's not believe all those rumours but um, but no to, to, it's a let's just say it's a happy Thiago Thursday <laughs> yes indeed what a lovely way to to end this little snippet thank you so so much Doug uh, just very quickly I, I, I'll leave everybody with the thoughts of Sean Ack who's a Copon contributor uh, from time to time he says uh, my thoughts in short this is the biggest pulling power we've ever had as we've discussed thanks to Klopp so it makes full sense to back a manager like this instead of Penny pinching like we've done before. Okay, yeah, okay, fair enough. We're getting a world-class player for a cheap fee who will give direct supply to our front three, so it's a no-brainer. We are a big club, and so we shouldn't have to sell to buy. Why not keep Genie and Thiago? Depth and competition are good. I followed Thiago for over a decade since he made his Barca debut, and if fit, we've got a world-class player. And indeed we do. We got a world class player. Thanks, Sean, for those thoughts. And um, yeah, bring it on. I mean, I've been waking up before dawn. I don't know about you. I've been waking up before dawn. I've been worrying about Genie's contract. It's true. And uh, you know, um, I've been thinking about Thiago. You know, imagining. And I believe it's Alcantara. Can I just get? You know, we, we've we've done the pronunciation of Simikas with the stress on the me. Very important, Doug. Alcantara. The the accent is on the second syllable. A, the second A, so it's Alcantara, I believe, but I'm going to check that because um, it's Portuguese and I don't know Portuguese. Thank you so much, Doug, for joining me. Have a great day. Have marvellous daydreams and night dreams about this, the beautiful future that awaits us. Thank you. And thus... As the last of this episode's oyster shells is shucked and tossed mindlessly into a brightly coloured bin, all that remains is for me to thank you, the dearest, most scrumptious listener, for listening. And I do mean that. Thank you. 
Block us on Twitter at CopOnPodcast. Send in your agony aunt letters to CopOnPodcast at gmail.com. Report us on patreon.com forward slash CopOnPodcast or simply tell a friend about us. CopOn is free. CopOn is for you. Tiago Alcantara is for all of us.